Um, we're going to be in a few different uh, sections of Scripture this morning, but why don't you turn to Ephesians 4? We'll, we'll get there eventually. But if you're new to the, the church, usually our practice is uh, we just walk through books of the Bible. Um, verse by verse, we've been in 1 Corinthians, and next week we'll be back in 1 Corinthians. But every fall, what we've kind of our habit is, is we talk about our mission and our vision as a church, and it's more along the lines of like a family Bible study, right? If you can just picture, we're in a living room, and we're, gonna, we're just talking as a church family. Well, what are we here for? What do we exist for? And so we'll just kind of hop around to, I think there's three main uh, passages that we'll be looking at uh, this morning to just kind of answer that question. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Maybe you don't lay awake at night thinking, why do I exist? Uh, or why does the church exist? But think about that question. What are we here for? Um, why do we come, right? So North Peace Emmy Church has existed for close to 65 years, and they've met in different locations. But for, for 65 years, faithfully just kind of meeting and, 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 and doing what we're, we're doing. But, but why? Why do we do this? Have you ever thought about that? What, what is our mission and our vision as a church? What do we exist for? Um, years ago when I was a youth pastor, um, every year uh, we would do uh, like a, a paintball day in Maple Ridge, just kind of on the outskirts of town, there was this paintball course, and I hated that day because um, I think paintball is really dumb. Sorry if you love it. I'm like, let's go be in pain for two hours. That'll be fun. Um, but I know Airsoft is big now too, and that's just as dumb. Um, but it was, I hated it, but every year, all the youth group would be like, we got to do paintball. So we would go to this paintball thing. And I remember one year sticks out in my head because the first few rounds was just like chaos, right? Everyone is just running through the woods, and there's probably teams, but just, and everyone's just shooting everybody, and you put your hand up if you're out. And it was just chaos for like an hour. And then... I remember the, the last round, the, the organizers of the paintball were like, okay, this round, it's going to be the leaders against the teens, and the leaders, this is your mission. This is what you have to do. There's, here's this briefcase, and your job is to get the briefcase into the abandoned van that's in the woods somewhere. They have this old abandoned 15-passenger uh, van, and then it's the teen's job to stop them. Just shoot them. If you get shot, then you're out. And, and uh, there was a guy that came with us who was uh, one of the leaders, and he was ex-military. So first of all, I'm like, yes, he's on my team. But he had been in the military years before, and now he was in the business world. But he came, and, and like paintball was his jam. He was like, I, I think he killed people for real. And then it was like, now I love paintball. But here's what he did. Before we started, he gave us each a specific thing. Okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to carry the briefcase, okay? And we're going to go, and I'm just not understanding. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we're going to flank the, the sides and then lay some cover fire and blah, 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 blah. And I'll tell you, that round was much different than the previous rounds when we were just bah, running around and trying to shoot anything that was, was moving. Now, why? Why was the last round different? It's because we had a plan. It's because the guy laid out, right? Here's what we're going to do. Here's your job. This is your job. You carry the thing. You find the, the van in the woods. So we had, we had focus and we had direction. And we won, if you're curious. We won the day. We got the thing. 
But it just reminded me this week as I thought about, well, why, why does a church have a mission and a vision? Exactly for that reason. So it actually brings clarity and direction and focus. I mean, listen, as a church, there are 10,000 different things we can do. And I, I hear all sorts of them. I get emails from different ministries. I have people who come in and your church should do this. You should run this program. You should have this. Why don't you do this? So listen, we could do 10,000 different things as a church. And we could be like the paintball game, just running around, shooting at everything, going, we're making a difference, right? But what's better than that? I actually think it's better as, as, as a church we go, okay, we want to be like laser focused. What is our mission and our vision? What has God called us to? And so this is my, my goal this morning. I want to walk through, as a church, we have a mission statement and we have a vision of how we're going to accomplish the mission. And then I want to show you some scripture of, of, of why we've decided and prayed and thought about this is what we want to do. So here's our mission. It'll be on the screen. Our mission is this as a church. We exist to glorify God and make disciples of Jesus. Um, and, and really, if you think about it, that every church's mission should be the same. They might word it differently. You know, we want to make fully devoted followers of Jesus or whatever, right? But every church has the same mission because, because Jesus actually told us, here is your mission. So in Matthew 28, if you remember, Jesus uh, was crucified. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He gathered his disciples, and he said this. It says this in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Don't you love that Jesus was not vague about what we're supposed to do? What should we do, Jesus? I don't know. You'll figure it out. Right? He said, here's what you're going to do. Go make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey me. That's what Jesus said. And, and we have to understand, right, when we talk about making disciples, um, some people get, I don't know, nervous about that word. Or they go, what does that mean? Um, the word disciple in the original language in Greek, it just means a learner, someone who learns. So really, uh, you could call a disciple a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Sometimes we have this view in North American culture that there's a difference between Christians and disciples. Like anybody can be a Christian, just show up on Sunday and sit in the pew and then leave. But a disciple is someone who wants to like level up or whatever, right? Someone who's like, you want to be real serious about Jesus? Then you should be a disciple. Listen, there's no distinction in the Bible. You're either a disciple of Jesus or you're not. Uh, and so really, um, the word Christian, uh, the origins of it, it just means little Christ. And if you read Acts 11, that's where in, in the church in Antioch, people started calling these, these Christians Christians because they looked at followers of Jesus in the church at Antioch and they went, you look like Jesus. You are little Jesuses. So we're going to call you Christians because you look like the one that you're following. And so we do this. Our mission as a church to make disciples is, is really simply because Jesus, Jesus told us to. We want to obey him. So we make disciples. We baptize people. We teach people how to obey Jesus. Now, really, 
quickly, I don't want to assume that all of us in this uh, room are disciples of Jesus. And you might be thinking, well, how do I become a disciple of Jesus? And it's actually quite simple. Uh, Christianity is, is living by faith that Jesus is who he says he is. That he lived, he died, and he was raised from the dead to pay the penalty for our sins. And so being a disciple of Jesus means saying, yes, I believe that. By faith, I'm going to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And then I'm just going to surrender my life to him. Right? There's no magic prayer. There's no, you know, you have to do this and this and this and this. It's just believing by faith in Christ. So that's what we want to do. We want to make disciples of Jesus. Um, I don't know if you've felt this, but I asked someone uh, this week um, if they felt this. Do you feel like it's getting harder to be a Christian in Canada? And I don't know, just don't answer out loud, but just think about that. Do you, do you feel like if you're a follower of Jesus, it just, it's kind of like the heat is being turned up a bit. And as I thought about that this week, um, I know why. It's because we live in a country that has a different religion than we do. Do you know what the religion of Canada is? It's secularism. That is the official religion of Canada. Now, I know lots of people who aren't Christians and who would call themselves secularists. They go, secularism is not a religion, right? You Christians live by faith. We're reason and science, and it's not a religion. But let me just describe to you how secularism works, and you tell me if it sounds like a religion or not. Because what I'm, what I'm getting at is, well, then, if we're going to live in a, in a country that the state religion is different than Christianity, how, do, how on earth do we make disciples then? So secularism is the official religion of Canada, and it has an origin story, right? If you think about Christianity, we have a creation account. How, where did we all come from? Well, God created everything. Ex nihilo, that means out of nothing. God spoke everything into existence. We were created. There's a creator. The religion of secularism has an origin story as well. What did we come from? We came from nothing, it just one day there was nothing, and then there was an explosion, and then everything came from that. And we have evolved over billions of years from different uh, primates and things like that. And now here we are. It's all by luck. It's all by chance. You're not special. That's where we came from. Um, secular, secularism, every religion has an idea of what is the nature of reality. Uh, secularism, the nature of reality is just everything is material. There is no immaterial. There's no spiritual realm. What you see and touch and taste and hear, the physical world, that's all that exists. Only the material. Right? As, and, and as Christians, we believe, no, actually, there's a material world and there's an immaterial world. There's a spiritual realm that you don't see. There's angels and there's demons and there's spiritual creatures. Um, secularism has its creeds and its laws that you must obey, right? You think about creeds, um, th- those are just helpful ways as Christians we kind of catalog what we believe, right? The Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, the things that we remember. Um, secularism has its creeds. Love is love, right? Trans rights are human rights. Black lives matter. And you better agree with the creed. And you better shout the creed with us, right? This is their beliefs. This is what they believe. This is what they hold up. 
Um, secularism has a view of salvation. Do you know what salvation is if you live in a secular world? Well, listen, there's nothing afterwards, so just enjoy as much as you can. Get as much joy and pleasure out of life as you can because this is it. That's, I mean, we believe in salvation, that there's an afterlife and that Jesus has paid for our salvation so that we can dwell forever with him. But in secularism, well, there's no afterlife. So what's salvation? Just be happy. They have houses of worship. Did you know this? Secularism, they have houses of worship. It's the universities. That's where you go to learn and to be a disciple of secularism. They have priests. Those are professors. Those are celebrities. Those who kind of dispel the information about what you must believe if you're going to be in the secularist uh, religion. They have instructive stories, right? We read about um, Joshua and Daniel and David, and we have all of these stories that instruct us. So do they. Disney do you want to know every Disney movie, pretty much every movie, do you know what the main theme in every movie is? Self-actualization. Just be who you were meant to be. Self-actualize. Um, they have their, their version of, of judgment, right? For If you're a Christian, judgment is, is what? It's hell. But in a secularist religion, the judgment is you're going to be canceled if you dare disagree with our creeds, if you dare say anything, even 40 years ago, we're going to dig it up and you're canceled. And we're going to destroy your life. Now, a canceled person can then go on a pilgrimage and come out and say, I'm really sorry for what I said. I'm so ignorant. Now I'm going to go and be taught by the professors and by the celebrities on how to be a better person. And maybe you'll be welcomed back in. But they, secularism has judgment. You've been cast out. So listen, if you're a follower of Jesus... You need to understand, in Canada, you're living in Babylon. Uh, and, and if you don't know the Bible, it's referencing the Israelites. When the Israelites were um, conquered by the Babylonians and then the, the slaves were then taken to Babylon. And then they had to figure out, how do we do life as, as citizens of a different country? In, we're in Babylon now. That's, that's Canada. Canada worships a different god and if you're a disciple of Jesus, I think one of the reasons that you feel like, man, it feels like it's getting harder and harder and harder to be a faithful disciple of Jesus is because you are living in a country that, that worships a different God and demands worship of that God. So all that being said, how then do we make disciples? How do Christians respond to a, a world that's increasingly becoming uh, more opposed to the gospel? Some Christians get really, really angry. Um, some Christians want to protest. We want to fight back and fight for our rights, and we're going to pick it, and we're going to demand certain things. Uh, okay, that's a way to respond, to be angry, and I get that feeling. Some Christians are, are maybe just a little bit naive, and they go, no, 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 it's a conspiracy theory. It's not as bad as you think, and you're just overreacting. And some Christians just kind of bury their heads in the sand. And, and unfortunately, some Christians just kind of go along. And they go, well, maybe, maybe the, the culture is right about some things. Maybe we are an outdated religion. Maybe there's part of stuff in here that is wrong and we got to kind of adapt. And So as North Peace Enemy Church, how do we want to respond? How do we want to make disciples? Because that's our mission Jesus didn't ever give a, like a qualifier, make disciples, unless it's like really hard 
or make disciples unless it's this. He gave no qualifiers. So that's our mission regardless what our circumstances are like. So how then, how do we want to respond and make disciples? And that is our vision. Our vision is how are we going to accomplish the mission of making disciples? And so three areas that we want to focus on as a church, and they all start with G. That is why you pay me like $500,000 a year, because I can think, I'm just joking. <laughs> but it's the big bucks to come up, but they all start with G. And it's just a way to help you remember, what do we exist for as a church? So number one is, how do we make disciples while well, we want to gather? And here's what it says. We seek to create opportunities for people to gather together. We value doing life together as a community. Um, we want to gather with other believers. We want to gather with other people who worship Jesus. Um, Hebrews 10, if you uh, want to flip there, it'll be on the screen as well. This is what the author of Hebrews says. He encourages us, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us, right, let, us, let us not neglect meeting together. Meaning, let's not wake up on a Sunday or, or whenever you're going to go to life group or whatever and go, you know what, I just don't feel like it. I'm too tired. I, I don't need to, to go. That would be neglecting to meet with other believers. And even in that day, in, in the writer of Hebrews day, he says, oh, that's the habit of some people who just go, ah, do we really need to meet? Do we really need to get together with other believers? And he says, yes, don't neglect it, but encourage each other all the more as you see the day, capital D day, that means the return of Jesus. As the return of Jesus gets closer and closer, you have to meet with other believers. Well, why? Well, when we gather, we remind ourselves of the gospel, we remind ourselves of who Jesus is, who we are, we remind ourselves, how do we live as kingdom people? How do we actually do this? So really, if secularism is the religion of the day, and you and I are living in Babylon all week, you are being indoctrinated into a false religion. All week. And listen, I've, you'll start noticing this, it's everywhere. Anytime you turn on the TV, anytime you read the newspaper, anytime you scroll, the messages of secularism are bombarding you all day long. And so our gatherings, like listen, this meeting, the gathering of the saints is the most important meeting on the face of the earth. If Jesus is real, right, if he's king and his kingdom is real, this is the most important gathering. Now, I know, and we're not going to get into a debate, because I know, well, what about COVID? And we met all that. Listen, sure, different circumstances happened, and God blessed technology that we could meet in our, our homes. But I'll say this, even meeting in our homes, not the same. God blessed that we could do it, not the same. It's different, and you know it, right? Sitting in your pajamas, eating Cheerios while you watch church, it's like, well, I don't know if that's the same. I don't know. Thank goodness that we had technology to do things and kind of navigate it. But listen, gathering together with Christians, it's the most important. Even if the president called you on a Sunday and said, can you come to the White House for a meeting? Your response should be, I have a more important meeting today. Honestly, I'm not exaggerating. This is the most important thing. And yet, do you know what? The average church attendance of someone who calls himself a Christian 
is two out of four Sundays. Half the year, I'll get there if I get there. So as a church, we want to value gathering together, value Sundays worshiping and realigning our hearts and, and minds and, and, and this meeting, yes, but also other meetings. Many of you are in life groups and Bible studies. Listen, if you're living in Babylon and you're swimming against the culture of the day, I don't know if just a Sunday meeting is going to do it for you. What, like, why, why wouldn't you say, I, I need to meet again midweek with other Christians? I have to gather with other believers who are, are like-minded, because, listen, you just, you just won't last as a Christian on your own. There are no lone wolf Christians. Really, the, almost the entire New Testament is written in plural language. So even when you read passages that are like, you, and you are this, and you are that, it's plural. It's, it's better translated, y'all. We don't have a good word besides the Southerners. Uh, but it's all plural. The New Testament is not written to you as an individual. It's written to a group of people. Uh, you have to gather with other believers. Um, I've, I've heard uh, lots of people, I shouldn't say lots, occasionally people say, well, and maybe you've heard this kind of, this saying, well, I love Jesus, but I just, I hate the church. So, so basically, you've just told Jesus that you hate his bride. Like, can you imagine if someone came up to me and said, Andrew, I love you, man, but I hate Molly. I would go, well, we got some issues. And do you really love me if you, you hate my wife? Right, so we can't, we can't think like that. Well, I don't need the church. And listen, I know the church is messed up because we're just sinful, broken people trying to do life together. But the answer is not, I hate the church and I'll just love Jesus by myself. It won't work. Um, some of you have uh, like fire pits in your backyard. Just recently we had kind of a big fire in our backyard and I've, I've done this before, like if you actually take a log out of the fire safely and put it o o alone by itself, do you know what ha happens? I mean, it'll burn for a little bit, but then it just dies. And yet when you have a whole bunch of wood together in a big bonfire, the fire stays. I think that is such an amazing metaphor of Christians who say, you know what, I don't need other Christians. I'm just going to go over here by myself and I'll be fine. My, my burning and passion for Jesus will just stay lit on its own. Listen, I I've seen it time and time and time and time again in 15 years of ministry. It doesn't work. So we must gather. We have to gather. And that is one of our core things as a church. We want to create opportunities, Sunday mornings. We have life groups that you can sign up for. We have Bible studies. We have youth group. We have young adults. We have all of these ways because we just really value gathering together with other Christians. Um, second, we want to gather, but we also want to grow. And it says this, we seek to grow in our knowledge of Jesus, obedience to his word, and love for each other. Every follower of Jesus is on a journey of becoming more like him. Um, so listen, we don't want to just gather for the sake of gathering and just have a bunch of parties and be together. There's, like a, there's a purpose to our gathering. We want to grow. Ephesians 4 puts it like this. So if you had your Bibles open, we're going to read kind of a, a bigger chunk. Um, starting in verse 14, Paul has said, um, God's given gifts to the church um, so that you can 
grow, and then he says this in verse 14, so that you may no longer be like children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I mean, the goal is that we want to grow up. We want to grow as followers of Jesus in maturity. I mean, he says in verse 17, he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Gentiles just means unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus. Paul says, you, you, you don't live like that anymore. Don't walk like that. In verse 18, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, but that's not the way you learned Christ. Right? He says, you don't, you don't live like the rest of the world does. That's not how you learned Jesus. You don't just say, yep, Jesus, I'm signing up for your team, and then I'm going to live the way the rest of the world does. Verse 21, he says, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught, him, taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holy. That's, and holiness, that's, that's the goal, that we would grow up, that we, that we would put aside the, the things that we used to do, right, the ways of the world, and sensuality, and greed, and impurity, and that we would put on Christ, and we say, I want to grow in maturity, Really, I just want to become more and more and more and more like Jesus. So, you're, you, right, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're living as a citizen of the age to come. We live in the kingdom of God now, and yet all week you're told by our entire culture, well, just live the opposite way. I think the primary way that we grow and and so often we just want the silver bullet approach. Just give me the thing that then I'll just grow in no time. Um, that doesn't exist. The primary way that you grow is through solid biblical teaching and then application. That's it. There's no silver bullet. And uh, obedience to God is just kind of slow discipleship where you grow and you grow. It, it would be like a, you know, a newborn baby born physically and we go... Why aren't you a teenager yet? No parent says that. You're like, please don't be a teenager. But it, it doesn't happen overnight, right? Development takes It's the same spiritually. It takes time and effort and, and coming and reading the word and being taught what it means and then going out and actually, I'm going to now apply this to my life. Jesus tells me to be generous and to give. I'm going to go and I'm going to be generous and I'm going to give. That's you growing in maturity, and again, I'll say it, I mean, you can grow um, Sunday to Sunday. You absolutely can. You can come and uh, listen, like even throughout the summer, we saw that there's so many gifted preachers in this church who can come and just lay out what the scriptures mean and how to follow Jesus. And hopefully lots of you grow Sunday by Sunday by Sunday. But, but again, I just have to ask, why would you not invest more? 
Like, why would you not say, I I need to meet with other believers throughout the week? I have to, or else I'm just going to stay the same. I'm not going to grow. And and again, like, um, Dawn is going to be in the the lobby afterwards because we do. We have life groups. We have women's Bible studies. We have men's Bible studies. We're going to have a theology class coming up. We have senior youth, junior youth, young adults. We have so many ways for you to actually grow But it just takes you going, yes, I want to mature in Christ. I don't want to just live my whole life and go, I haven't changed at all. And as a church, we're saying one of our main points of our vision is we want to help you grow. How can we help you grow into maturity? And then lastly, the third G is we want to go. So right, gather, grow, and go. And really what we mean is we seek to go with the gospel into neighborhoods, cities, and countries. Um, if you were, have been here long enough, you know our old vision statement was about multiplication. We want to multiply ourselves through um, multiple services, sending missionaries, life groups multiplying, planting churches. And really all of that is kind of wrapped up in, in go. We want to go with the gospel um, that's why we've, you know, partnered in planting Creekside Church in Dawson. We want Dawson to hear about the gospel. That's why we have a, a whole board of missionaries out there who are around the world because we want to take the gospel and go with it. That's why so many of you have gone on missions trips uh, uh, to Mexico and all these other th- things. That's why we support church plants in Quebec and just on and on and on. We just want to multiply and go. But beyond just that, yes, you as a follower of Jesus, you should look for ways to share the gospel with people. If Jesus really has changed your life, then it should just kind of flow out of you and your neighbors and your coworkers. But beyond just sharing the gospel verbally, we want to go with transformed lives. So Monday, right, if you're a mechanic... You're going to go to work, and you're going to be an honest mechanic. Is there such a thing? Sorry if you're a mechanic. But you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to actually charge people what it actually costs. And I'm not going to rip people off, and I'm not going to do things like that. I'm just going to go, and I'm going to be a great mechanic who's honest and hardworking. Listen, people will notice. Or you go, I, you know, I'm a police officer and I'm going to go and I'm going to care about justice and I'm going I'm to not cut corners and I'm going to treat people fairly and, and on and on and on, right? If you're a politician, ah, there's just no hope for you. Um, I'm just kidding. But you'll, you'll go and you'll go, I'm not going to do all these stupid things that we lie and we backbite and we make up stories. No, I'm just going to honestly serve the people that I have been blessed to serve. And on and on and on, whatever your profession or whatever you do in life, Right, The gospel should transform your life, and then you go, I'm going to go with the gospel into my workplace, into my school. Uh, into, so I'll give you an example. Um, one of my friends works for the city. I'm not going to say who it is because then they'll get calls being like, why can't you fix my potholes or whatever? But he works for the city, and people just know that he's a follower of Jesus. And he says even the fact that he doesn't use language that they use, people come up to him and go, why do you talk different than everybody else? Like, massive opportunity to share. And it's just because he lives a transformed life. I'm just not going to use vulgar language. And people often come up to him and say, oh, sorry, I can't believe I swore in front of you. My bad. And he's like, don't worry about it. And then he gets opportunities to share what he believes. That's what we mean when we say we want to gather together. We want to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and our surrender to him. And then we go. And we go out And we live transformed lives and share 
about the God that we serve and believe in. So really, when you think about it, it's a, it's, a, it's a simple mission and vision as a church. If people were to ask you, what is North Peace Church about? Well, we want to make disciples, and we're going to do that by gathering together, growing in our knowledge and love of Jesus, and then going out and living transformed lives. So as we close, um, just I, I want to ask you to consider some things, to commit to uh, some of those three areas that we want to focus on. I mean, listen, as church staff and elders, I mean, we can provide all sorts of opportunities, but I heard one guy say being in church ministry is kind of like preparing a buffet and then just hoping that people come and eat. Because we can't force, I'm not going to bend your arm and say, you will gather with us. No, it's your choice to gather and to grow and then to go with the gospel. But, but I'm hoping that you're seeing that, man, this is all over the New Testament. This is what the church did. If you read the book of Acts, they gathered, they grew together, and then they went out. So to think, would you commit to this year um, gathering with other Christians? Saying, you know what, I know life is busy, I know life is hectic, but we're actually going to cut out other things so that we can gather with the saints. We're going we're gonna to simplify our life a bit so that we can, whatever, make it to every Sunday gathering so that we can join a life group, so that we can go to Bible study because I, I want to grow. Would you commit to growing this year? Saying, yes, you know what, this year I want to grow in my knowledge of Jesus. Maybe that's coming to ask me or Don for some resources. What's some Bible studies I can do? And what can I how, do I, how do I actually dig into the word? Maybe it's coming to a theology class or a women's Bible study or a men's Bible study, what, whatever, right? But would you commit? Would you say, yeah, you know what, I'm committed to growing this year? And then lastly, would you commit to go this year? Would you say, you know what, I want to go with the gospel into my neighborhood, into my workplace. I'm not saying that now you have to go and stand on the street corner and evangelize to everybody. But what if you just said, you know what, I'm going to actually live a transformed life. I'm going to go to my workplace. I'm not going to shy away from conversations with people. I just want to be a representative, a, a little Christ, right? A Christian, a little Jesus in the world. I just want to go out and, and live like it. Listen, I, I think you would see massive transformation. One, in our church. Um, two, in our city. If a group of whatever, between both services, a group of 500 people said, we're not going to forsake the gathering. We're going to purposefully grow in our love and knowledge of Jesus, and then we're going to go out throughout the week and not being ashamed of the gospel. We're just going we're gonna to share with people and live transformed lives. I mean, that's what God asks us to do, right? He doesn't ask us to change the world. He says, your job is to be faithful, and I just get so excited thinking about it. What if a group of Christians just said, yeah, we're going to be faithful. We're going to make disciples. We're going to gather. We're going to grow. And we're going to go. Um, I'll ask the worship team to come back up. Um, we want to end by just singing a song, uh, two songs in response. But let me just pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll sing to close. So, Father, I just thank you for your word. Um, God, I thank you that you were so clear in what our marching orders are. Um, we, we don't have to sit around twiddling our thumbs wondering, I wonder what Jesus wants us to do. Um, you were just so abundantly clear um, that our job as followers of Jesus is to make disciples, to go with the knowledge of the gospel, make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them, help them to grow in maturity. Um, so God, I just pray for us as a church this year.
I, I pray for myself. God, that you would help us not to forsake gathering together. Um, that we, we would view our gatherings as really the most important meeting of the week. And that we would just say, I'm not going to budge on that. I need to gather with other believers. I just have to. Whether it's this and a life group and a Bible study, like whatever it is, God. I pray also that we would say, I, I have to grow this year. I don't want to just coast another year and say, hey, am, do I look any more like Jesus? Well, not really. I'm just kind of coasting through life. I pray that each one of us would say, no, I want to grow in my understanding, my knowledge, and my love of Jesus. That you would help us take those steps, joining a Bible study, doing a theology class, learning how to read our Bibles, whatever it is, God, that you would help us grow in maturity this year. And then lastly, Father, I pray that you would help all of us go with the gospel, that we would live such transformed lives that people could not help but notice. What is different about this group of people? And that we would be just open and willing to share about the God that we serve. God, I I pray that even in the midst of times where we go, man, it feels harder and harder to be a Christian, I, I pray that that would just cause us to double down and go, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try even harder to follow Jesus. I'm not gonna bend the knee. I'm not gonna be angry. I'm not gonna protest and yell and demand things. I am just gonna gather with other believers. I'm gonna grow in my knowledge of Jesus and then I'm gonna go and live a transformed life. And God, we ask that as we are faithful and live in obedience to you, that you would change our culture. God, I just pray that the the God of secularism would just be broken in this country. And that as more and more followers of Jesus live in light of the gospel, that it would just begin to change neighborhoods and families and cities and that we would see more and more people come to know you. So help us be faithful. And we just pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.